Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. We begin a new series today, looking at some of the key words that serve as foundational themes for our faith in Jesus Christ. Today, we will examine the word grace. Whereas so often in our world, we're left to find achievement upon our own effort and talent, God helps us see that the reality is we are utterly broken before him. Thus, it is only by his grace that we might come in. Thanks for joining us today as we take a closer look at the grace of God. So the series that we're in for the next couple of weeks is going to simply take a more concerted, intentional view of these words, such that we would be instructed to know what we believe, what has been handed to us. If John thought it so important, he had to mention it for the foundations of the city. How much more ought we as the church really understand the foundational words that our faith is built upon? And the word that I want to choose really, uh, it's not even serendipitous, but just to begin is the name of our church. I think of all the words that I could choose, love and hope and peace and faith and joy. We're going to look at a lot of those, but grace above all has got to be one of the most precious gemstones that our faith rests upon as a foundation. And so this morning we're going to look at this first, first gemstone of grace. As I uh, examine this word, and you probably have heard uh, a lot of definitions for it, uh, I learned it once as an acronym, uh, God's Riches at Christ's Expense, G-R-A-C-E. Uh, maybe a more common understanding that you've heard of grace is unmerited favor. Uh, the idea that God loves you not based on anything that you have done. He loves you and he has redeemed you by his own will and desire. And that we simply share in the joy of that. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to uh, meander through a few of those ideas and those thoughts. But really I want us to look at a foundational passage from God's word. To really set the stage, I have to contrast Grace, however, uh, with how the world operates, because you are saved, you are part of the ecclesia, that's, uh, that's the Greek word that means called out of, uh, we translate that word into English as the church, the church are those who have been called out, Jesus prays for his followers, he says, God, I thank you that they're not of the world, but I'm not praying you take them out of the world, we live in, in a mess, Right? I mean, we live in, in, in filth of, of human depravity. Most often and most hideously having disguised itself as being good and proper and admirable and right when it's not. When it's really offensive to God. And this word, almost I think above any word, is one that has been polluted by our world. Now they won't use the word grace, but they'll fail on its definition. Because grace at its very core speaks to what you and I receive freely. Freely. The world doesn't work like this though. And I, I sought to kind of put together a list of the ways in which the world works. Uh, it may be a little hard to read. The text is a little small up here. I'll do my best. Uh, first one I, I wrote down was capability. So if you were to get something free, many times people will say, first of all, well, we're going to have tryouts. You know, we're, we're going to see who's really capable enough to receive this before we just give it out willy-nilly. So let's see if you're good enough. Next I wrote down was activity. This has to do with production. You, you Look, you've got to earn it. 
You, you really, you didn't earn it, so you don't get it. Uh, paychecks kind of fall in this category. Look, that's mine, and look, I put in my time, and uh, by my activity, I am due what's mine. The next one, uh, veracity. That's a word that just means kind of yearning. Do, do you really want it, huh? Because if you don't really want it, I ain't going to give it to you. Right? Because that's how the world works. Unless you really want this, you can't have it. Um, equality is one that has shocked me recently. Uh, you don't get it unless everyone gets it. I was at uh, my son's uh, soccer game, and when I was a kid, you didn't care if you won or lost, because at the end of the game, you got a snow cone. <laughs> right? That was the best part. So win or lose, it was great, but they don't do that anymore because there have been some parents who say it's not fair. One team is getting all these goodies, and the other one's not getting any of it. So no treats at all for the soccer game. Sorry, kids, you lost. Go home. No treats. Now, I'm not all for everyone gets a trophy. I'm certainly not for all that, but... I feel a little bad they don't get a snow cone. <laughs> Equality. That's how the world thinks. Look, unless everyone gets this, no one gets it. Uh, seniority. Um, some of you here are thinking amen on that one too. I know. Right? <laughs> Look, I, I put in my time. I paid my dues. And now it's my turn. Right? That, this is, again, how the world works with this. Jesus tells a story of a bunch of guys out working in the field. And they're getting a certain pay. And then there are these losers that show up at the end of the day. After these guys have been working 12 hours, and the guy pays them the same. And the hard workers from the beginning that have been up since dawn, they go and they say, Hey, what gives? We've been here this whole time. That's not fair. Look, we, we, we paid ours. Why, why do they get the same as what we get? And that's how the world thinks. And it's a pollution of what grace is. Reliability. Here's one. Uh, you can have it, but you've got to use it the way I say. Right? You've got to be careful. and this, you, gotta, you can't do what you want with it. There's strings attached. Or quantity. Maybe you've heard this one before. Got to have money to make money. Right? You heard that one? So we're not giving out to those people who are... Look, they're freeloaders. They're loafers. Right? Well, give it to somebody who really is going to uh, work for it and earn it. Or maybe it's not quantity, but it's quality. You get what you pay for. Have you heard that one before? That's pretty true in this world. It's not true with Christ. But it's true in our world. And the last one, uh, charity, which has just also been destroyed. Maybe you've heard this one before. God helps those who help themselves. You know it's not in the Bible? Anywhere. The opposite is in the Bible. God helps those who cannot help themselves. And so uh, this past week, uh, I took my family berry picking. Where did Vaughn go? Right? Berry picking. We were out picking blueberries. The old-fashioned way, not buying them from a store. <laughs> and, uh, and you kind of got to work for it. You got to kind of scrounge for these wild blueberries. And um, my, my little daughter, Sadie, she's four years old. She discovered that if she follows me, she finds the good patches, right? Well, listen, I got the good patch. You will find your own patch. But no, she's got to be right on top of me picking blueberries. And is she saving them for the pie later? What's she doing? She's eating them all. And so Sadie comes to me and she says, Daddy, I got her bucket, right? She says, Daddy, will you take some of uh, your blueberries and, and put them into my bucket for me? And I'm thinking in my mind, no way am I going to do that. Because I worked hard for my blueberries and you're just going to eat them anyways. And so like a good... Like a good, like a good Christian father, I said to her, 
No, I'm not going to give you my blueberries. Pick your own blueberries. Why? Here's why. Because this is how I've been trained. Right? Look, this is the way that the world has molded us to think. Not graciously in how we use our resources, but hoarding and selfishly. And I'm not going to give to you unless you meet one of these. You, you, you don't get any unless you can show that you have some merit in and of yourself to earn it or deserve it or use it properly. Otherwise, look, go pick your own. And that's how we all have been trained. Now, here's the really bad news of all this. Because if we started to fill in the blanks for, for each of these categories, here's what they look like. You want to know where you and I are at before God with capability? We are lost, weary, and heavy laden. That's where we sit with capability. That's how capable you are. Activity, here's what you got. Evil. That's what your deeds are. Your activities, without Christ, they are evil. Veracity, how bad do you want it? Well, look, before Christ, we're slaves to sin, so it doesn't matter how bad you want it. No one seeks God. No, not one, because each and every one of us has to follow the slave master of sin. Equality, uh, we are undeserving of his love. That's where we sit. Uh, Seniority, you're aliens. We are far from God. We are removed and separated from his promises. As far as reliability goes, uh, we are foolish in our thinking. Quantity, we're dead in our sins. Quality, our works are of filthy rags. And our charity is that we are hard-hearted and we are enemies to God. Now, if you had a question on any of those, I got verses to back every one of those up. That's where we sit, folks. That's the lot of our existence in this life. We need some good news, don't we? We need, we need a gemstone of God's love to be shown to us. And for us to study that this morning, we're going to turn to Romans. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 5. What we're going to do is we're going to work through a few of these passages, uh, a few verses starting in verse 12 down to 21. Um, Paul writes this in Romans 3, There's none who are righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Romans 5 tells us a different story, although it begins off this same idea. So follow along with me. Paul writes these words in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all men because all sin, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who didn't sin by breaking the command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. Judgment followed the one sin and it brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more? Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life 
through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a lot going on in this passage. To do a proper justice, you and I need the whole afternoon. So if you can... Put your thinking caps on with me. We're going to plow through as quick as we can. Uh, the first couple of verses, 12 through 14, <clears throat> they outline Paul's argument as to what the, uh, or where death comes from. Uh, we know from other places in Romans that the wages of sin is, fill it in, death, right? So we know that sin shows up there, but how do you know you're sinning? Well, you know if there's a law, right? If, if, if it says, don't do this, and you do it, that's sin, Right? It's clear. It's obvious. Well, there was a time in human history where God did not give the law. You, you might think, which, which of those famous Bible people was the one that gave the Ten Commandments? You guys remember which one that is? Yeah, Moses was the guy. And when did Moses show up on the scene? But like 2,000 years after Adam. So you've got this big gap of time where there's nothing written down. Right? There's, there's no law that they're breaking because there's no law written down from God. And yet, Paul says, and I can, uh, I can show you if you look back with me in verse 12, right in the middle, he says, death through one man. And in this way, death came to all men because all what? Yeah, all sinned. Well, what, how can you say that? How can you say that all sinned? Because guess what happened to every single one of those guys and gals? Yeah, they're not here. They're dead. Which proves what? Guilty of? Good, guilty of sin. So I want you to see that relationship. That, that's, that's where he's starting. He actually concludes back with this again. If you look down in verse 19, he says, For just, through the diso- just as through the disobedience of the one man, who is that, by the way? Who's the one man? Adam. And don't think you're any better. If it was, if it was Ryan in the garden, we'd all be saying, well, that's Ryan's fault, right? Because <laughs> we'd have done the same thing, right? So none of us are any better. But through the disobedience of the one man, what's it say? Many were made Sinners and the wages of sin is death. Here's the problem death, it kicks all our butts. None of us beat it, it gets 100% of us. Major problem, right? If there's, if you think taxes, if you think weeds in your garden, if you think I got my hairs falling out, whatever your problem happens to be, nothing is worse than death. It's the major problem that needs a solution. And so Paul has good news. He has another man for us to look at. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 15. Uh, There's a few observations I want to give you. The first is this. God's grace isn't limited by sin. God's grace isn't limited by sin. You've got sin? Uh, Show hands. Who's got sin? Okay, so we need Jesus. Uh, You don't get grace because you've got sin. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Grace of God isn't limited because you have sin. Look with me in verse 15. 
He says, the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, and here's the key word, overflow to the many. How cool is that word? Overflow. Uh, I'm trying to think of a a good illustration for this. The, The best I can think of is when you remember those old clown cars. Remember that? And the people keep coming out more and more and more. And this seems ridiculous. Uh, that's the actual Greek word, not the clown car, but the idea of <laughs> the idea of to the extent of absurdity. That's what the word overflow means. Like this is this, this is ridiculous. It's like how my wife packs for a trip. I don't know how she fits so much in a suitcase and still gets that thing shut. Any of you like that? You, I mean, just close in there, and I mean that thing somehow. How does that work? It's absurd. There's more in there than what should be in there. Or maybe a better example might be uh, Jesus' story of feeding 5,000 people. Remember that story? Mm-hmm. Right? We started with the little that was offered, a couple of fish and some loaves. Right? And at the end, what was there? Do you remember? There were 12 bass. That's What? How, how is there not just crumbs left because everybody's fighting over the two fish, right? Because that's all there was. But you see, with God, it overflows. That's what his grace is like. So just because sin is there, grace is not limited. It overflows. It's more. It's to absurdity and to abundance that God provides. And there's another uh, a corollary that comes from this, which is simply this. God brings a gift. I, I love the idea of a gift. In fact, I brought one this morning. Um, because a gift is something that you receive, but you didn't earn. Uh, a gift is something that's given to you freely. And look, if you were good Bible students of this passage in Romans 5, you might have recognized that word was mentioned. Did you catch the word gift? In fact, in three verses, it's mentioned five times. Paul here is trying to give us a really important point. That when it comes to understanding God's love, expressed in grace, here's the metaphor. It looks like this. It's a gift. And yet there are some people in our world today, even as Paul helped us see in our children's message, who are living without receiving this. And they think, no, I I don't need that. I don't don't need what you've got there. Uh, This is what his grace looks like. It's freely giving because God brings a gift in his grace. Grace is seen as a gift. Second observation I want to show you is that God's grace is not diminished by sin. It's not diminished by it. Look with me in verse 16. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. So he's he's going to talk now about the one man's sin. Check this out. The judgment followed one sin. Who thinks that's severe? I mean, I think it's a little severe, right? I mean, what'd they do? Eat an apple? Eternity in hell. <laughs> that seems a little severe, right? But look, if you, if you feel like that's unfair, you've missed the holiness of God. Because any rebellion, any sin in the presence of God undermines God himself. And so we've got to understand it's actually really not severe when we pro- properly fix it and understand who God is. And yet it didn't take... It didn't take three sins. It didn't take a a lifetime of sin. It was one. That's what the Bible says. Look, judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. 
This is a really terrible word. It's the idea that you're sitting in a courtroom and the gavel falls and the word guilty is laid before you. That's condemnation. You're going to the slammer. That's condemnation. It's anytime someone can do this at you justly and prove it. That's condemnation. How many sins did that take? It took one. Now watch what grace does. Because God's grace isn't diminished by sin. Watch this. But the gift followed how many trespasses? Many trespasses. Think of all the sins that have been committed from the time of Adam to Jesus. It's a couple more than one, folks. And if I'm God, I'm up there thinking, look, I've about had it. I'm about through with this. We're going to have another flood end this whole thing. But he doesn't. Instead, God, again, but we're overflow to the point of ridiculous, right? God gives more grace because grace isn't diminished by sin. And, it, and we have another gift. We have something that's brought again. Uh, the picture that I want to see with this, uh, this past year I went down to Kentucky for the eclipse. That was pretty cool. Um, I think many of you might remember watching it from here. I got to see it as a, as a total solar eclipse. You, you only have this one moon, right? Just one. And it blocked the light. Now when that happened, did the sun up in the heavens say, well, I'm done. I'm turning myself off if that's what you're going to do block out the light no the sun kept shining and look you could count the seconds because it was only a matter of time when that that light hit once again this is exactly what it's like Your, your, your life and mine they're filled with these moments of eclipsing the love of God by our sin that doesn't mean God turns off the love that doesn't mean he well I'm through with you guys now that's it for you You had your chance. Not at all. His love continues to blaze in glory and light and love. That's what this word undiminished means. And the really cool thing that it brings us is justification. That's like a $6 word. Okay? It's a big one. Um, A a good way of understanding this, and if you were at Bible camp, you might have heard this, but you break it into its constituent parts. Just as if I hadn't sinned. Justification. You can almost start a definition of it by breaking it apart. Justification is just as if I had never sinned. To be justified is a legal term that means you are not guilty. So one sin brought condemnation. And then God still sent his son after so many sins, right? Many, many, many. And what did it bring? Justification. It's as if I've never sinned at all. And we're not guilty. This is what the gift brings. All right. Number three. The observation is... Oh, sorry. Here, first of all, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely. How? By His grace. That's, that's where justification comes. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Or this one, Titus 3 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appears, He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified, how? There it is again. How good is grace? That's what it brings. Grace brings justification, that we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Number three is this. God's grace isn't withheld by sin. It's not withheld by it. If you look with me in verse 17... 
He says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Death, death beats everybody. Death wins it all. Except for Jesus Christ. And you and I might think that your sin and my sin is going to withhold his grace, but it doesn't. Even though death wants to claim the victory and kind of shut everything down, because that's really what death does. Just think of a loved one uh, who, who dies. I mean, anybody who dies, it, it's over, right? It, everything's shut down. It doesn't work anymore, except now with God. God says these words, it's not over. It's not over. I remember when I was in... Um, Start starting missionary work before uh, my wife and I were married. We were dating, and we had this big fight. And I thought it was over. Well, that's over, because that's kind of the pattern in my life up till that point. And uh, she pulled me aside, and she said, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to break up with me. And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, I'm not going to let you. <laughs> What do you say to that, by the way? <laughs> okay, I guess. And, and uh, that was the first time I really experienced anything like that. That's what God does to every one of you. Every time you choose your way over him, you choose sin. That's rebellion. And look, it seems like this is over now, right? This relationship must be broken, irreparable. And God says, oh, well, wait a minute, where are you going? Come back here. You're trying to break up with me, aren't you? And you and I, we go, ah, uh, God says, well, I'm going to let you. Because his grace, it is not withheld because of sin. And we have a beautiful word here that comes. And I want you to continue to look in 17 because grace brings us another present. And here is the big one. This is the big one, guys. Here we go. You, you know, like at Christmas time, the big one under the tree, you, you saved it for last. That's this one, okay? So everybody ready? Verse 17, right in the middle. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace... And the gift of, that's what the gift is. You, I know some of you feel like jumping out of your pews right now because that's how I feel. Like if you really get what this means, it means that you now have righteousness. That is not a right standing before God. That's justification. That's the one that came before. Righteousness means that you have the same merit of Jesus Christ. The, the goodness of the Son of God is now applied to your life. God doesn't just bring you to neutral and say, now you better get it right this time. You better behave. He brings you all the way to the top, seated with Christ in the heavenlies when you place your faith in him. That's the big one. You are now given righteousness. Now, sometimes we don't feel this way. And even worse, sometimes we don't live this way. But that's why God says, hold on, I'm not withholding my grace from you. Come back here now. We ain't breaking up. This ain't over. And that's what that means. All right, lastly, fourthly, God's grace is not exhausted by sin. This perhaps is my favorite one of all. Um, if you look down to verse 20, he says that the law was added so that the trespass might increase. Remember, if there is no law, if that's not written down somewhere, how do you know you sin? I don't know, but I'm still dying. Everyone around me is dying. Well, here, I can help you with that. It's because you're all sinners. That's why. And it's all written down. So Paul says that's why the law was given. So that you would recognize sin as sin and not just be going through your merry way, sinning all along, not knowing it. 
So the law is given. Go back to me, verse 20. The law was added so the trespass might increase. This is a good one. I'm giving a big pregnant pause here because it's a good one. Ready? But where sin increased, say it with me, grace increased all the more. I just love that one. So Paul uses a different Greek word on this one. If the first one meant ridiculous, this one means crazy, astronomically absurd. Uh, The only way that I could envision an illustration for this is the idea that uh, you have maybe a cup of water and let's say you spill it. Let's call that sin, right? That was a mistake. Whatever that is in your life, look, you made a mess. God floods the whole earth to cover it. How how big was that deal? How big was the spilled water? (laughs) Look what God did. I mean, he covered it all. Not in that God sins, but in that you can't even see what your sin was anymore. The law starts to point out the sin, right? Some people, that's why you don't want to read your Bible. I just feel guilty every time I go to church. So sad. I don't want to read my Bible. feel guilty. Look here. Whatever that little spilled water is in your life, God has covered it with a flood. Or maybe illustration. Let's say we had a a candle that was burning and, and you charred a little piece of furniture. Like, oh, it's a little bitty bird mark, right? You know what God would do? He'd burn the whole house down. (laughs) Because he covers it. Like, where are you going to see that little sin in there anymore? It's gone. It's completely gone. Or maybe the illustration that matters to me is, you know what God would do? Is that we come to him. We come to him with an empty bucket. Do you know what God does? He empties his whole bucket. So that ours overflows and never ends. And it keeps emptying. It keeps emptying. That's this. Where sin increased, grace increases more. Right? I keep going. You guys get this, right? It never runs out. Now, there's one more gift that is brought with this, and it's a really important one. It shows up in verse 17 at the end, and it shows up more explicitly in verse 21, and that's that grace brings life. So let's go back to 17, and then we're going to jump to 21, because this is really the the core point of it. Remember, what was the wages of sin? Yeah, so that's what God is fixing, all right? Uh, That was the beginning of our story. That's where we started. This is the thing that needs to be remedied for all humanity. And so here it is. This is the last part of the gift. Verse 17, I'll read it again. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? There it is. You have a new life, church. Grace has given you new... Whatever the mess in your life was, God has made you perfectly clean. There is no more mess there at all. He has given you a new life. Go to verse 21. You'll see it there too. So that just as sin reigned in death... You see how Paul's repeating himself? So also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. When you open the present of God's grace, you get justification, righteousness, and life. And so this is my conclusion. I want to leave you with, uh, you have been given a gift, church. You have been given a gift. Unfortunately, there are people in our world today who still say, no thanks, I'll, I'll make it fine on my own. I don't need that. Our religion is for someone else. You've been misinformed. That's all I can tell them. You're you're falsely believing something that's not true about whatever you think church or Christians are. And to be honest, we could do a better job. Amen? Amen. 
Yeah. We, we can do a little bit better job of how we uh, uh, show people that, look, I'm just normal. I'm just a normal guy going through life. It's just I know the guy who made everything. He lives in me. And he rules my heart. I'm getting preachy on that. Let me tell you what these are. <clears throat> Number one, it's a right standing before God. That's justification. Number two, the righteousness of Christ is yours. That's what the gift is. And number three, the promise of eternal life is yours. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Whatever you're facing, the grace of God is not limited. It's not withheld or diminished or exhausted. It overflows. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You've been given that gift. But remember, there ain't nothing free. And so there was a price that was paid. It was right here. That's where the price was paid. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died the death we deserve so that you now have life. That's called grace. So what do you do with this? Uh, very quickly, you just receive God's gift. That's what you do. And number two, you return all credit and honor and praise to the name above all names. Receive and return. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all the rest of them. Yet it wasn't I. It was the grace of God that was with me. All the credit that Paul could, could be given. He says, you're, you're pointing to the wrong person. It's not to me that it's given. Because what do we do in response to receiving God's grace? We return all praise and all glory and all thanks to the name above all names.